welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. I nearly wasn't here this morning. Yeah, there's a story, right? So um, we got a shed last week. There's a story behind us, right? And I got a shed, and um, shed, a man's shed, and it's a good one, and all the rest of it, but... There was something, there's something wrong with one of the doors, so they said to us, like, what you've got to do is if there's something wrong with one of your doors, phone us, and we'll get it fixed. So they had a number on their answer machine. I haven't even told Penny this story, it only happened, and uh, didn't want her to worry uh, unnecessarily. But um, <laughs> they have this number on, on the thing, and so on Friday morning I wrote it down, and I was thought, I'm going to get in quick, right, because, you know, anyone who's bought sheds recently knows that they're, they're, they're not cheap, Right? I thought, this thing's not right, and it's all scratched in one of the doors, and I want it fixed. And anyway, I phoned this number about 14 times, you know, because I thought they must be busy. It was a sales line, you know, in the showroom, so I kept just, ah, not picking up. It's obviously very busy, so I kept doing this, right? Anyway, by lunchtime, nobody answered. I thought, flip me. I know it was busy when we were in, but goodness, really busy. So anyway, at about lunchtime, <laughs> I got this call back, hello, and I was like, Hello. You are phoning me, this deep Scottish <laughs> menacing accent. And I was like, I, I went, oh, that's great. You must be really busy today, are you? And he went, well, actually, I said, well, thanks finally for phoning me back. And he said, that's all right. What, what, how can I help you? I said, what do you mean? How can I? Listen, see this shed, right? He said, he said what shed? I said, my shed <laughs> it has a scratched door. And I, I said, so. He said, what would you like me to do about that? I'm just off night shift. And I went, what do you, I said, you must be very busy if you're having to work all night. He said, well, I am a police officer. And I went, <laughs> and I went, I said, do you sell sheds in your part time? <laughs> he goes, no, I'm in Leith, wherever Leith is, somewhere in Scotland. I went, thank you for your service and hung up. So I've changed my mobile number. If anyone's looking for me, you'll not get me on my own mobile. And if I get arrested for harassing some police officer who's just come off it, not funny. And anyway, I went back and thought, flip me, that flipping shed company, Wasters, handing out some policeman's number. I actually had just written the number wrong by one digit. And, but see the frustration I felt all, the frustration I had all the flipping Friday morning, hitting redial, redial, he's not answering, he's not answering, he's not answering. He's trying to sleep after night out defending the community and all that. See that shed? He was very polite too, I have to say. He might not be a bad man to be arrested by. He'd probably do it very politely. But it made me think, there's just sometimes we get things just slightly off, but the repercussions can be quite big. See what it did there? Preacher's dream. Boom, that's what it is. All right? That's a great thing when you, when you speak, right? Is that things just happen in life, and, and the key is just to capitalize on them. And because there's a lesson in everything. And uh, today, we're, we're, as we get into the meat of, of the book of Luke, we're going to start in an interesting place because it illustrates something that if, if you don't get right, even just a little bit, one digit out, it will have a massive uh, impact on the rest of your life because grace changes you from the inside out. Grace is not meant to be an outside-in experience of God. Grace goes to the very core of who you are, changes you and transforms you in your deepest place makes you brand new, and then you live from that. Religion is the other way around. Religion is what you do determines how much God loves you and how much you're blessed. That's outside-in living, but grace is always inside-out living. And so we're going to look at that today, because if you get one of those digits wrong in that message, it will have a massive impact on how you relate to God, how you relate to other people, and how much freedom you see in your life. And so that's why we, we love the gospel. First Peter 1.13, remember, has been one of our signature verses for this time of year. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully where? On the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So set your hope. Whatever you're putting your hope in, in your life today, tomorrow morning when you start off your week and you start to head into the week that you have, what are you putting your hope in? What are you relying on and what are you giving yourself to? Because you need to be careful because there are lots of false gods today in the world that will promise you everything, will take everything from you and deliver very little in return of any lasting value. And that's why the, why the Lord encourages us here to go set your hope where? Fully on grace, 
fully on undeserved favor, not fully on, even if you're a believer this morning, if you're watching online and you're a believer, it's not set your hope fully on, you know, I'll do my bit and then God will do the rest. How many times have you even heard yourself say that? Well, it's up to me to do everything I can and then it's almost like God sees you exhausted and then goes, aye, that's enough. Do you know what I mean? How screwy is that? Like God is sitting holding back in your life today going, well, I'll only move, all right? I'll only touch them. I'll only bless them. I'll only help them. Whenever I see they have spent themselves with every bit of effort in order to move the needle, I don't know what kind of God you have in your head, but he's not that God because the Bible is clear. He loved you first. It's it. The Bible says, whilst we were still sinners, whilst everything was in our life that would separate us from the one who gave it all for us, while we were in that state, he moved. And now the word says, how much more, how much more does he love us? Goodness me. Are you even alive this morning? Because quite frankly, I could sit down. We can talk about our favorite color this morning. If that does not light you up inside, I, honestly, go check your pulse. Because that's what, the, that's what this gospel is about. I don't really know, to be honest. If we could preach, I, I think people actually respond better to the law sometimes. It makes us feel more comfortable. Just beat me a wee bit. You can get nothing in life unless it's earned. Do you know, just remind me a wee bit that I'm a miserable sinner because oh, it grounds me, right? Isn't that true? Uh, let's do that. See this grace stuff. I've had enough of it. Okay, miserable sinners, a lot of you. Work harder and give more money. Go, right? <laughs> Seriously, that's why I think grace is for grown-ups when it comes to faith. I think grace is for grown-ups. I think grace causes us to grow and to develop our experience of God and our understanding of Jesus more than any other message because it takes away everything, every excuse. And I'm gonna talk about that today because this is one of the digits that's just sometimes out of, out of whack and out of order. And uh, so should we do that? I remember I said last week, Matthew 11, did you enjoy that about the walking with the ox? Because uh, in the book of Luke, Jesus is, is shown as the, as the ox, the one who carries the weight and the burden, the perfect sacrifice. In order for you to live freely, there has to be a sacrifice made because we all, Penny said it this morning, we all live with this intuitive knowledge that there is a price to be paid for wrongdoing. And that's why people, you know, outside of faith, that's why people, you know, spend their lives sometimes in the pursuit of paying a price for things. You know, it's like, uh, I, I need to pay back. I need to make, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, I, intuitively, I know that there's something that, that's out of kilter. And so I give my life in the pursuit of trying to make that feel better. And Jesus says that he's the perfect sacrifice. And from that perfect sacrifice comes the ability for you, as it says in Matthew 11. Let me read it from the, the message version. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out in religion? Then come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Oh, that sounds good. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, the unforced rhythms of favor in your life. Because the Lord says this, I'll not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Isn't that brilliant? So we talked last week about Jesus being the burden remover. So let, let me get stuck in today. We're going we're gonna to look at um, before Jesus' ministry, before he starts to show us in all of these areas where he removes burden from us. He, we, there's, a, there's a story which we all know, and I think little of us actually really understand. There's a big point in it. And today, it's like if you, if you understand what happens in Luke chapter 4, you understand how you can live freely and lightly. Because it can seem like a pipe dream, can't it? I, I think that most of our issues for most of us is not really what's going on in the world. It's what's going on in the inside of us, anyone? Isn't that, isn't that the battle? I mean, really, it's like, you know, sometimes it's set up like the world is bad. And of course, there's bad stuff that goes on. But actually, the biggest battle is in here and in here. That's the thing that we have the most, the most tussle with. And, and it, it almost seems like when we look today, we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. That's the whole context of going to Luke chapter 4. What's that about? It's about the temptation of Jesus. And it's funny because I, I was brought up, even in a charismatic church, right? Like life almost being like one big do not touch button. You know, you know when you have something that says do not touch, you go... <laughs> Or you have, um, like in my house, right, um, like chocolatey type things, right? And you say to yourself, don't eat those. Fatso, don't eat them. Walk past them. But it doesn't matter. You walk past and you go, 
Just one wee bit won't hurt, right? Isn't that right? It's like as soon as you know you're not allowed to do it, you want to do it. That's the law, actually. That's what happens when the law comes. And it seems like life can be like that. Now, I, I think I'm getting slightly better as I'm older, but, you know, not that much. I mean, religion hasn't helped, I, I, has it? Religion has made us feel really condemned, like condemned Christians in the hands of an angry God, as Ray says. It's never great. That feeling of never making the grade and never being better. So what do we do? Well, we have to look to Jesus. That's what we talk about in the gospel of grace. And when there's a revelation of Jesus and who he says we are and what he's done, then there's fruit comes in our lives. And so I, I, I want to show you that because what happens is even people in grace think that this is a pipe dream at times because my experience says something else. But before Jesus did anything, the first thing that happened, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So if you're not planning on coming on Wednesday night, think again, prioritize the presence of Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we'll see you on Wednesday at 7.30 when we learn to grow and walk in that as a community. But what happens then is the Lord takes you know, he's taken out into the wilderness, all right? And it's, you know, we've heard this since we were kids, right? But it's profoundly good news because there is something fundamental that happens here that we can walk in every single day. And there's a big mistake that we all make that I want to pull out when we start to read the story. So ask yourself the question, what is Jesus trying to show me this morning? As I listen here, what has this all got to do with me and how does it lead me into grace? Well, let's read what actually happens. Luke 4, verses 1 to 12. And Jesus, now full of the Holy Spirit, it says, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And he answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I'll give all of this authority for their glory and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Do you notice that every time the enemy comes to you, it starts with an if? Every single time. Be wise to what the enemy tries to do in your life. He sows doubt about the goodness of God every single time. He doesn't need to attack your family. He doesn't in that sense because he's powerless that way, right? The battle is in your mind and for your heart. And the constant repetition of the enemy in your life is, if God is good, did God really say? And his whole work is to undermine the grace and the goodness of God in your life. Do you get that? Stop worrying about, because what the Lord says is this, everything that you need, everything that's been, everything that you, you, you long for, protection and safety and health, is already yours because of the work of Jesus. And so we have to take bold faith and bold courage to walk into those promises and to possess that which grace has provided. And what does the enemy do? He comes alongside going, don't trust, don't believe if God said that, your life wouldn't look like this. Take it back into your own hands. Did God really say that he would provide for you? Did God really say that he loved you even when you screw it up? Did God really say, did he? It's just this constant accusation. That's why he's called the accuser. Accuses us before God and accuses God before us. And so we need to be wise because we see a pattern here, okay? Um, and essentially what, what he'll do, he'll always just undermine who you are and who God is. That's, that's the bottom line. Once you get wise to that as the enemy, then you don't need, you know, uh, you, you actually don't really need anything else other than a big revelation of Jesus in that, in that way. Does that make sense? These Christians kind of going on, on, on demon hunting and all the rest of it. You need to wise up, quite frankly. Is that too, oh, got a lot of people in here love that stuff. Well, knock yourselves out. That's all I'm going to say, all right? I, I kind of go, like, we deal with that stuff when it appears, but the biggest battle is keep your heart right before the Lord. Keep your heart centered on Jesus, right? And what you'll find is there's a lot more blessing and favor goes your way because he's gone before you to make the way clear. Amen? Anyway, so, for me, tough crowd. I hope online are better uh, because 
Anyway, so, so it's written, and he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Psalm 91. And Jesus answered him and said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil had, it, uh, had ended every temptation. What? Read that again. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. Every temptation was dealt with right there. And then the devil departed. Well, hold on, he only did three things. What about this? And what about that? And what about the other? What about your vices that nobody else knows about? What about all this other stuff? The word actually says the devil tempted him in every way and then left. Now, this is good news, and this is why grace is fantastic for you today. So let, let's quickly look at the context. All right, context is interesting. Uh, the wilderness, and I don't know if I've ever told you guys, but uh, we've been to Israel a number of times. It's great. If, okay, did I ever mention that? I think it's, we should probably do like a wee slideshow one night, you know. It's not the worst ever. And people go, do you want to see my holiday photo? No, I really don't. Oh, that's lovely. And then, you know, all the rest of it. But the, the wilderness is actually, in, in, in Hebrew, it's called devastation. You might not have known that. It's actually a very frightening place. And it's an area where this all takes place. Now, the context matters. is an area to the east of Jerusalem. And it's on the, sort of down the back slope of the plateau that Jerusalem actually rises on. So it, it takes out, happens just outside, uh, outside Jerusalem in this place. Now, it's nothing but, you know, we, we did actually go there, and there's nothing but barrenness and rocks and jagged cliffs, and it was very dangerous in those days. It wasn't like a nice place to be, and that's why in the Old Testament Hebrew, it's called Jeshimon, meaning the place of devastation, because you'd look at it and go, flip me, that's devastating out there. So today, if you go, it's really rugged still. They haven't really built on it. And there's, this, there's a road that goes from like Jericho the whole way to Jerusalem, and in those days, that road was still there, and it would take you right through. Think about the Good Samaritan stuff like that. It all takes place in, in the same area. Now, it's in this place of devastation that Jesus is going to be alone. And no one's going to be there with him. And no one would be there to help him with the temptation that's going to be put in front of him. Now, not only, like, this is where we see the humanity of Jesus. And this is where we can identify with Jesus as the man. Because, you know, in, in the barrenness and in the, the dangerousness of that situation, the heat, the loneliness, everything, he would, be, he would have been wary he, probably, he was very hungry, obviously hadn't eaten for 40 days. And actually, he would be quite vulnerable. Now, we don't think of the Lord that way often, but that's why uh, uh, once he's full of the Holy Spirit, he's led to a place of devastation. And like, you, you kind of go, this is how it was always taught to me, right? Whenever I was growing up, right? This is like, he's, he's in very dangerous circumstances for sure. And now what happens is we look at what Jesus does with the devil, and I was always taught that's what you have to do. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Anyone else? So what you do, now listen very carefully to me because there is good principle here, but it's almost like you have bad thoughts. So what you have to do is you kind of scratch your eyes or pour bleach on them or whatever, and then you remember a verse if you have one in your head somewhere, okay? And then what happens is you confess your verse, right? <laughs> and you start to engage in some kind of cosmic tussle with the devil, oh, the Lord says, da, 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 da. and you're thinking, but I still have those bad thoughts in my head. It's not working. I'm still being tempted. Do you know what I mean? Right? Is that, is that, any, is that just me? Oh, I'm tempted. What's that first? What's that first? He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Oh, the thoughts are still there. This is too hard for me. And I'll just give in anyway. Anyone? <laughs> just talking to myself. Okay, that's what happens for me. So what happens is we kind of, here's the danger with the Bible at times, and I listen to me, particularly when we look at, uh, you know, sometimes the way these things are preached, particularly under, with, a, with a legal, a law type view, because often the, the temptations are preached as though they are kind of moral examples for us to follow. Like we should go into our deserts. I remember hearing this one. You should go to your own personal desert and face your demons, Right? And then quote scripture when you're there and you'll come back ready to go. <laughs> like, brilliant. Never worked, right? But you know, if we, if we approach the Bible in that way, we need to be very careful because we're missing the most important thing when we approach the word of God. And that is 
Never put yourself into the word, into the narrative as the most important person in that narrative. Do you get me? Now, don't do that. You are not the most important subject in this story. Who Jesus is and what he has done is the point of the narrative. Do you get me in that? We make the same mistake with lots of it. We see Jesus do something and we put ourselves into that place and we go, well, that's what I have to do too. Instead of going first and foremost, before that, he did this so that I could possess. Does that make sense? That's a biggie. When it comes to law, you'll read it and you'll go, that's now what I need to do. He did it, so I did it. Now, that's not a bad principle. Hear me out on that. But that's not the point. Do not put yourself into any biblical narrative as the most important subject. Jesus is always the most important subject in the word, all right? And from that place, then we move. Because, you know, actually what happens here, and it's in all three gospels actually, the whole point of this narrative before you start to get in, how, how's this gonna help me to lift weight? How's it gonna help me to live free? How's it gonna help me to experience grace upon grace? What he's actually shown and the focus of all the three gospel writers in, in Luke 4 in our, in our series is that Jesus has undone every failure of both Adam and Israel. That was the point. And when we are grafted into Jesus, we're incorporated into Jesus, we are incorporated into his victory. Do you get that? You're not trying to go to a place of victory by quoting scripture. You're standing in a place of victory. You have been grafted into a place of overcoming. You've been made a conqueror in all things. You are not trying to conquer. And whenever you live your life trying to conquer, you all, always submit yourself to a cycle of defeat going round and round and round, and you will never break it. You are not enough. You do not have enough willpower. You do not have enough strength, but Jesus has done it for you. That's good news. That, that's what this whole story is gonna be about. It doesn't mean that you get to avoid the challenges, but you face the challenges you face the things that come your way already knowing from Luke chapter four, when Jesus went there before you, he conquered it for you. In the power of the Holy Spirit, that's why he's baptized in the Holy Spirit first, baptized in the Jordan, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes out into the wilderness because the Lord's saying to you, the same spirit that Jesus had in that moment is the same spirit that is in you. And it's his presence in your life that brings victory and helps you to be more than a conqueror. Church, that's why I love grace. Grace says that you are not trying to win anything or face anything with just who you are, but you remind yourself to stand fully on the finished work of Jesus. You're not the most important thing. He is. Your effort is not the final determination. His work is. Do we get that? And so when we, when we look at this, uh, well, it makes sense to me anyway. Okay, so in this weakened state, Okay, having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is taken into this wilderness by the Spirit. Satan comes to him with the intention of tempting him to sin, all right? And it's actually, you know, you kind of go, well, why did he do that? What, and what does it mean for me? What was the whole point of it? Why do you not just crack on full of the Holy Spirit and get going? Remember, um, it, it's probably the easiest way to describe it. I'm going to take you right back to the book of Genesis. And you know, if you look at the temptation, the very root of the issue, Penny said it this morning, getting to the root of what goes on in you and I is what the Lord is doing. He's not interested in simply cutting around the edges. He wants to go to the deepest place of you and bring freedom from the innermost place. And so actually what you see is what Jesus is dealing with here is what happened way back in the garden. Because um, if we compare this temptation, right, to, to the temptation that, that Satan placed before Eve in the Garden of Eden, you'll see it, okay? Because what, what he does is he appeals to worldly desire and fleshly need. Now, remember, this whole series is about lifting burdens off. It's about living freely. And what happens here is we're gonna see that there are desires and there are needs that we have, and it's okay to have them. But how we're gonna get those met is the big issue, because in Genesis 3, you read of Satan come to Eve and tempting her with the fruit of the, of the forbidden tree. So what does Eve do? Faced with temptation, she, she, she gives herself to three things, right? You're starting to see the, the pattern. Three things that Jesus deals with in, in the wilderness, three things that are the root of the issue. And they're defined in 1 John 2. The first one, for all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. In Genesis 3, 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, number one, the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, number two, and to a tree to be desired to make one wise, number three, the pride of life, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. So what, do you know what's really interesting here? What's really striking about what happens to Eve is the same thing. I mean, technically, there was nothing wrong with Eve's desires. Do you get that? Because, you know, like she desires this fruit, and she desired it. Why? It was good food. It was pleasant to her eyes, and that it would, it would make her wise. The fruit itself was not bad. Do you get that? We tend to think that sometimes, like when we, when we look at this, oh, Eve, actually, there was technically nothing wrong with her desire. Do you know what the point was? The point was there was something in her, and this is the root of our issue. This is where Jesus dealt with it first, and he has to deal with it before the weights can be we lifted off us. That Eve's taking off the forbidden fruit was about what? It was all about self. It was about the work of self. It was about looking at something and going, I can do that. I can go for that. I want. See, the desire to live free is God is put in you. Do you get that? The desire to live healthy is a God-given gift to you. Do you understand that? Do, there's nothing wrong with it. People, religion will make you feel guilty for that. How? The, you know the lazy tropes that are thrown about? Oh, health and wealth. Well, what is your gospel? Sick and poor? Like, seriously? Oh, Jesus wants you sick and poor. Well, knock yourself out. I ain't signing up for that. Number one, because I don't see it in the word. Jesus went about healing every sickness and every disease. Can somebody point to something different in the word for me? You can't, right? Every time that Jesus encountered lack, what did he do? Make it worse or provide the abundance of heaven, right? What, what, what was it? This lazy trope of health and wealth is just a nonsense and don't buy into it. It's the heart of God to see his children blessed. Do you get that? The issue, that's not the issue. The issue for us is how does that happen? And at the root of our our weight, at the root of our burden, at the root of our tiredness, at the root of the cycle in our lives that Jesus wants to break for us, it's because at some point right back at the beginning, flesh said, I can do it myself. And so what Jesus has to do is break the power of self. And so the temptations of Jesus are all about him going to that place and providing the opportunity for you and I to live free of self, to no longer be enslaved by it, but instead to walk in grace and favor, undeserved, unmerited, every single day of our lives. Amen? And so don't put yourself into into a story and go, I just need to quote more Bible. Read the story and go, thank you, Jesus, because of your work, I am now free. Your declaration is, he bore it for me so that I could walk free. And I will not put myself again under a heavy yoke when he has explicitly said to me, I have come and my yoke is easy. Walk with me. Stand beside me. Let me carry it for you. And the desire in you to go your own way is actually being broken. Can I, can I just say, I'm going to say that. Is, that, is this making sense? Yeah. See, the, the fruit itself's not bad. Some of you here this morning are going, you know what? I wish it did have a wee bit more. I wish it wasn't so much of a struggle. Can I just say to you, that's fine. Because there's something in us that's built, you know, there's something in us that's not built for struggle. Do you get that? Doesn't mean that we're all lazy. Doesn't mean that you can sit there, kind of peel me a grape, Jesus, and drop it into my mouth. You know what I mean? Remember that? Peel me a grape. I don't know what that was, something in the 80s, wasn't it? As I lie here and scratch myself, right? That's, remember, grace sets you free from laziness. But what it does do is it removes the burden of the outcome. And so there's nothing wrong. If you're sitting here this morning going, sometimes I feel guilty that there's a desire in me, that my life might look different because you know the Lord gives and he takes away, brother. Have you ever been, the Lord gives and he takes away? 
Don't get your hopes up. That desire in itself is wrong. Most of the time, it's not. Most of the time, it's not. Now, there can be selfishness attributed to it. We understand that. But if you want to be fit and well and healthy and blessed and provided for, you and your family, that is a God-given thing that has been put deep inside of you. But he says, listen, don't try to make it happen yourself. Because that was the root of the issue. The pride in a man or a woman's heart is, I can act independently of God. All of that stuff there is within my reach to do. And Jesus says, no, it's not. Let me break the power of that for you so that you can live in grace upon grace, unmerited favor. You know, I had a, I had a call this week. Um, I was talking to GT about it. And it was, it was something to do with, with a work thing in our business. And um, I, it's, it, it's, I, I can't give any detail, but it was a conversation with people that I don't really know, but they're all in business. And I, I was introduced to them because they wanted our help with something. And um, the, the whole pro, it's about getting quite a lot of business in, right? And I, I, I sat for an hour, I'd been pretty busy all week, I sat for an hour in, in this conversation. And um, I, ju- I just found myself getting heavier and heavier as I listened to it. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, this is a nightmare. And uh, this is just really heavy. And it's like, we need to do this and the other people who are gonna be tendering for this, they're gonna be doing that. And what have we got here? And subsection clause 4.2 needs to be answered in relation to this here. I'm going full screensaver mode at this point, right? Going, actually, being, Jesus, come back now. You know, praying for the rapture. After an hour and 15 minutes, I just felt like, I felt exhausted, right? And I shift a lot of work in my, in my world, right? I, I don't sit around a lot of the time. I am, you know, we shoulder a lot, carry a lot, and do a lot, an awful lot compared to most other people. But this one, do you know what it was? It was, it was in my spirit. You get that? I was exhausted listening to it. So I switched off the team's call or whatever it was. And uh, I came downstairs and GT was at the back. And the Lord, the Lord just spoke to me straight away and said, that's all the world has. That's, for me, I had this moment because we have lived blessed in our business. Just seeing the goodness of God pouring in, Right? And the Lord went, you see, when you don't have grace, that's what it feels like. It was a moment for me this week to remind me, don't do it yourself because you will be exhausted. And you know what the thing is? It's exhaustion with no guarantee of the outcome. <laughs> we will knock ourselves in, spend an inordinate amount of money to just get this thing put together in the hope that the 15 other businesses aren't better than us. I'm gonna spend my time, my money, my effort my attention, my energy, and my affection, and there's no guarantee that there's going to be anything worth anything at the end of it. And the Lord said to me, what way do you want to live? Make a choice. And so my choice is I'm not going to be involved in it. And that's really, I don't care how much money it is. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I just was opening the door to that for the next five years of my life. Are you, am I crazy? And so the Lord spoke really clearly. There's a big amount of money, right? What's it worth? It's not worth that, Lord. Do you want to live freely and lightly? This is all the stuff that was going on in my head. And I went, yes, Lord, I want to live freely and lightly. Let it go. Because you know what? I'll put into your hand exactly what you need to live freely and lightly and to walk blessed. Do not do what the world does and buy into what the world does when the Lord said you can live freely and lightly and let me be your provider. You get it? It's flipping exhausting. And that's the root of our problem. So the temptations of Jesus are for, for us today. I need to go quick. About, I'll go very quick, actually, right? It's not about the things are bad, right? Because these things in your life, the Lord wants to see you best. But I'll tell you this, he doesn't want you to kill yourself in the, in the pursuit of living blessed. He wants your life and how you live to be a response to the blessing that he is pouring into you. I think the people of God, and I think as a church, we're called to model something. And that is how we steward the goodness of God, how we manage the goodness of God as he pours it in. And a testimony to the world who are tired and exhausted, frankly. One of the things I get to do in my business is talk to businesses about some of the trends that are going on within them. And so one of the things about lockdown and pandemic, it's really interesting, is people are working harder, you know, with hybrid working and all this kind of stuff. You know what that means? People work longer hours. It means that on, on the surface of it, 
they're more productive because they work longer because they don't need to commute. So you put your computer on a wee bit earlier in the morning, you work later into the night. You feel guilty because other people have still got their stuff on, so I should be doing And so if you look at it on the top level, it looks pretty good, but underneath it, it's masking some really, really desperate trends that are appearing. Exhaustion, overwork, stress, all on a massive increase, right? And it's not, it's not me saying that, it's companies like Microsoft and Facebook who track all this stuff going, hey, people are working harder, but you know what? There's a massive cost coming our way. We're going to have to pay the piper soon because people can't work like this. It's crazy. And so they're resigning and doing all sorts of stuff, going to live up mountains and on hills and knitting their own jumpers and all, all kind of crazy stuff just to kind of escape. You know, people do that, hug trees and knit their own underpants. You know, it's like, whatever it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to get, oh, just to get free, living in the Outer Hebrides. Had and I think this is such a brilliant message for us to have as a church. So let me just tell you quickly what Jesus has done for you. In the wilderness... You see, 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 you see the enemy coming to Jesus to deal, going the same way. If I can get him to do what I got the, them to do in the first, the first Adam, you know, Jesus described the second Adam. Let's just have history repeat itself and Jesus broke the cycle for you to give you the power to live free. So what happens is the lust of the flesh, turn these rocks into bread, right? That was all about bodily need. After 40 days of fasting in a place of devastation, Jesus was hungry and in need of food for physical strength. So what does is, what is the enemy come along and go, you need that. You need that to live. You, you have a, need, a bodily need for this stuff, for your provision, right? This is the second one. But to eat the stuff, the stuff of life, right? And Jesus says, okay. Now, Jesus could have easily turned the stones into bread. It would have cost him nothing to do it, you know? But he sets it aside because he will not, why, why does he set his ability to turn stones into bread? Why does he choose not to live like that? So that we could walk the same way, to break the power of self. The second thing is the lust of the, the eyes. All these kingdoms of the world will be yours. And uh, that's like the, you know, actually, let me do pride of life first because it makes more sense that way. The, the pride of life is about, you know, cast yourself down, all, all this stuff. So he's, again, this is about provision, okay? Uh, the, the devil incorrectly quotes Psalm 91 back at him, but what he's basically saying is like, you know, prove God's provision in your life is basically what he's saying when it comes to the pride of life. The last thing is the lust of the eyes. Satan takes him to this exceedingly high place and says all these kingdoms of the world, you know, that must have been pretty cool, this mad vision of what that would have looked like. But um, what what the enemy was actually doing there was saying, look, I'll give you all of this, right? Now, what's really interesting, it was already Jesus's. Did you get that? He wasn't giving him anything. He was suckering him in. Satan tried to tempt Jesus to take what was already his out of God's time. He does it with us every single day. He tries to get you to take through your own hand and your own effort that which has already been provided for through grace. You get that? And Jesus goes, no, no, no. We're not going to do that again. I say, in all of this, all right, in all of this, what we see is, in, and what, what happens is, in all of those areas, the word of God says, in every temptation, the devil try. So in those three things, what that means for us is that every bit of self for what we need today to live free, right? Every single bit of it was dealt with by Jesus there. It's all encapsulated in those three temptations. Can I just tell you, just to finish here, what that can mean for you this week? I, I love this message. It says, let me just jump into the book of Romans. You know, it's, um, it's really, really simple. It's really, really simple. In Romans chapter six, it says this. You know, should, you know, let, let's go to six and seven. Actually, knowing this, that our old man was crucified, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has also been free from sin. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise you also reckon yourselves dead to sin. One of the things that I love about this gospel of grace, this message of grace, that I think if I, if I could really encourage you with, what, what was happening here was Jesus was going right to the very core, heart of the issue. He was helping us to see that the very power 
and the, very, the power that was in us and the desire to live independently of God, to live in fear has been broken in you. And we need to have, that's what it now says in Romans, when we get to Romans 12, therefore now be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind to what grace has done. What that means for me is this week when I had that call, I had a choice to make. So don't think I live in some kind of la-la fairyland. I had, a, I had a literal choice to make to go, that amount of money is a big amount of money for our business, okay? You're talking well into seven figures over five years. That's a big amount of money. Am I tempted by it? Initially, I was. Okay? Could we do it? Yeah. Are we, we're totally capable of the work. There's no problem that way. But listen to me. There was a moment where this week the Lord said, who are you going to trust? Andrew, who are you going to trust? Everything going on in my head was, but we get super creative, don't we, for our own self-effort. And the Lord just kept speaking to me in that room this week upstairs. But nobody else was around going, who are you going to trust? Do you trust that I can do that in your life? That I can do that in your world? Or are you going to take it on yourself? And he just said, choose. And because I reckon myself dead to the desire to look after myself, grace has set me free to choose him and what he has said. And in that moment, I actually, when I came downstairs, I was just sitting in the back, I went, that feels great. That feels really good. What's it going to be replaced with? I have no idea. But he knows. What are we going to get instead? I don't know. But I know this, that the Lord says that when he blesses you, there's no sweat with it. Isn't that right? There's no cost to it. The world says you only increase through cost. The Lord says you increase through my blessing. So that thing on the innermost place, living freely and lightly, I don't know what the Lord has up, up ahead, but what I do know is it's going to be better than that. Now, the inside of us, let me just give you one last verse to help you with that. It says Titus 2, um, Okay, yeah, Titus 2, let's go for that, 11 and 12. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, right? Teaching us, showing us, leading us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, whenever you hear ungodliness there, actually what it's talking about is not like you're a bad, rotten person. It's like when we describe falling from grace. You know, falling from grace is not when you make a mistake, it's when you take things back into your own hands. So ungodliness is not all the bad stuff necessarily. Okay, there's a context for that and you see that in the word. But in this context is the grace of God has appeared and ungodliness in this context is teaching us to say no to self but helps us to live uprightly with his power in us. Church, I just want to encourage you, I'm going to finish here, to go, this is why I look at the sequencing of how the Lord did this. Look at the sequencing. Don't put yourself into the narrative but look at what he has done. Jesus comes, he is empowered by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that's available to us. And then he starts from a place where the very desire to take things into our own hands and live according to what we think, what we will do, what we will carry, he's even gone to that. He says, let me break that in you through grace. Consider yourselves what? dead to that because that's not who you are anymore in Christ now from this place walk with me remember now all the stories we're going to look at are we're going to walk with Jesus we're going to walk alongside him in this book of Luke and watch him just taking burdens off right taking burdens off left right and center because that's what he does amen you encouraged this morning so what I'm going to do we're going to take communion we're going to get ready and online if you're going to take communion as well can I can I have that up Yeah. Okay, well, and actually, we're going to stand, actually, uh, if you don't mind. We're going to take communion. Up on your feet. I guess the thing I want to encourage you this week, every single one of you has been freed 
but you may not be living free. And we need to have uh, our emancipation moments in our thinking where this week when it feels like the temptation is, remember the whole thing of the temptation is just live independent of grace. Fall from grace. That's, that's what it's about. The whole point of Jesus in the wilderness was to go, not my will but yours, so that we could live free. Now, I want to encourage you this week. Whenever the fear comes, whenever the anxiety comes, whenever the what if, will he really do? Did God really say? Will I be able to? All right? Faith doesn't live by what it sees with its physical eyes. Faith, the way that we're called to live is in faith by what he has revealed about he, who he is, and his promise to us. And we set our hope fully on that, on that grace. And I promise you this, uh, and you know, I, I'm kind of looking forward, I said to the Lord this week, I'm kind of looking forward to being able to follow up with you when it comes to our business and what God did. You get that? I feel dead excited. Do you know what I feel dead excited about? I'm not going to have to do all that work. Now, I'm going to do lots of work, but I ain't going to feel like it's breaking my back. I'm going to learn how to live freely and lightly. So I'm going to say today, that's going to be our testimony. Can I see it right now? No. With faith in here, if I close my eyes and the Lord says, tell me what you see, I've got a really good picture of what that looks like. So close your eyes before we take communion and tell me what you see in your life. Where are the, where are the areas of burden that he's lifting off you? Where have been the areas that have concerned you? For some, it might even be not just about physical provision. It could be about your future, about family, about partners, about house, all that stuff. You'll never work it out yourself. You don't have the power to do it. But I speak grace over you today. I speak favor over you today. I speak lightness over you today. I speak hope over you today. I declare over you that your hope will be made alive as you set your eyes and your heart on Jesus. And we just whisper grace upon grace, favor upon favor over you and yours. In your bodies today, take this wafer in your hands and say, Father, thank you for your body broken for me. Father, thank you that because you died for me, you took those stripes on your back that I am healed. Lord, we declare that and believe it and speak it over every body over every stomach and knee and intestine, over every mind, over every condition known and unknown, over every ache and pain, over every heart and circulatory systems, digestive systems, reproductive systems, over every part of you. I declare the wholeness and the health of Jesus. So we eat, Lord, and we say thank you for healing me. And Father, we thank you for your blood. Lord, when we take the cup today, we're reminded. You know, this is why the church got together in, in, in the early days, folks. It's for the breaking of bread was one of the primary reasons why they met. Because there was power in it and remembering what Jesus has done. And Father, we thank you for your blood poured out for us. We thank you, Father, that today your blood poured out means that we are free from every curse. Every single curse has been broken. Every bit of condemnation, shame, and guilt has been broken. The curse of toil without fruitfulness has been broken. Father, you've set us as your people to be an example to the world of the goodness and the faithfulness and the favor of God. And it was all bought by your sacrifice, Jesus. So we say thank you for that today. We drink, Lord, of this cup. And our declaration is that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. We are going to take our offering and uh, we're, I think we're happy enough now to, to actually, people are going to lift the offering every Sunday. And so what I would encourage you to do is, as, um, and thank you for everyone who's giving, your faithful giving, we appreciate that. But remember when it comes to money, um, it was, it was funny, one, one of the things that um, when I was 
kind of in the initial stages of this project that I talked to you about, which I'm not involved in anymore, was um, you listen to the narrative of the world. I actually had to switch the, the radio off. I'd, I'd slipped off the station that I normally listen to. And it was just my, it was BBC Radio Ulster, which I actually think, honestly, we need to have a word with them because they are so flippant depressing. It's like not even a wee bit of happiness in there. It was doom and gloom and a wee bit more doom and gloom. And if you miss the doom and gloom, let me just give you some more doom and gloom, all right? And so I flicked it off and uh, it's interesting, even in my own head, what was happening. I felt this, as I, as, listen, as I fed on that, even for 20 minutes in the car going somewhere this week, as I fed on that, Almost straight away, my, my thinking went to, this is a great project to be involved in. Do you get that? It was as quick as that. All it took me for 20 minutes of feeding on that to bring something up on me, up in me, which was, go for that, because that's going to be your answer to all this doom and gloom that they're talking about. Flicked it off. And flicked it off quickly. And reminded myself, actually, I could have, felt the Lord speak to me going, honestly, do you honestly think that I'm taken by surprise by anything that's going on in the world right now? I don't think in a moment, like in a moment, that this, and anyway, the Lord starts to minister. I start to feed myself again, go to that call, and the Lord goes, get out, don't do it. So when it comes to your giving, right, everything, be careful what you're feeding on. The world will tell you you can't afford it, you can't do it. But I want to really encourage, it's one of the biggest ways that you're going to prove the faithfulness of God in your life. Yeah. Biggest ways. We believe in the tithe, we believe in the, off- in the offerings, we believe in bringing that to the Lord. We don't believe in tipping God like he's some kind of spotty teenager who's just cleaned our plates for us off the table. But to give him the best of what we have and to bring it first and foremost to him. And in that, all you're doing is, is posturing yourself putting yourself into a posture where God shows his faithfulness. It will, he will not love you any less if you never give. Do you know that? But you'll definitely love him differently if you don't. Never, giving never affects God's love for you. Definitely affects your love for him. So I'm saying that not to lead on you, but just to go, what narrative are you buying into? And if you don't see the fruit of abundance, then maybe just go back to the Lord and go do something in my heart and show me again. Because every time you turn and you go, that's mine to do. That the, it's like the enemy shows you everything that's out there and goes, oh, you've got you've to put, put your hand to it and do it. All you've done is put yourself back under a heavy yoke. Live free, okay?